going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast. And tonight, listen to me, and tonight we have a super-duper special, super-duper legend in the building. Listen, this was the first female artist, not even female artist, first female rap artist to sign a major record deal from the U.S. We're talking about 35 years ago. There would be no Drake, no Justin Bieber, no Weekend if it was not for this lady here. You know who we have in the building today? We have Mishy Me in the building today. What's going on, my sister? Hey, what's up, brother? It's so nice to be here. Thank you for <laughs> coming to you. You know, I'm proud of me. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll get to me when we're done with you. Thank All you right. so, 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 so very much for coming through. Absolutely. You know what I mean? We've been trying, been trying to do this now yes. for about close to two years, you know that, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, you're here now. <laughs> yes. Good to go. Let's take it right to the beginning because I like to get in-depth yes. with who I'm speaking to, okay? Okay. Where were you born first and then when did you move to Canada? I was born in Jamaica in okay. Kingston. Okay. I used to live on Mona Road, went to a little private school, and then flew up here in 1976. 76. How old were you when you left Jamaica? I was five. I was you were five. six that year in the summer, so I'm November born. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I was five. Okay, so you don't really have any memories of Jamaica per se like that? Oh, no, but I always went back. Still mm-hmm. do. Yeah. Yes, okay. but... From schooling between grade five and high school, no, that's all mm. Toronto. That's, that's all Toronto. All right. All Weston. Okay. Westin. And when were you mm-hmm. introduced to music? When was the first time you heard something and say, hey, I like that? Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight. Yes. Mother brought home a record on a trip to Boston. And yeah. It was like this American record, and, and Rapper's Delight was that record that said, like, oh, wait a minute, they're telling a different story. This is not disco. Yeah. And that was the main thing that I remember. And yeah, Rapper's Delight just took over. And it seemed to be, the, now in hindsight, it was like the most commercial thing there. Mm-hmm. Rapper's Delight. I get it because remember, that was a song that was big, big, big. That was like For, one of the intros to actually hip hop at that time there. Yeah, you know really, I mean? it traveled a lot. It was one of the most you know popular. There were little pop hip hop songs yeah. at the time. If you yeah. look at it that way, it was the most tracked record and put together. And that was the song that actually planted the seed in your mind. Say, hey, I like this. This new sound that's not disco yes yeah. that there was something new coming um and it had um a little more oomph than funk yeah because funk was around yeah so it had um more the the poetic the poetic side of it mm-hmm. so yeah when it, it was hip-hop it was introduced as hip-hop yeah and at that time there do you know if there was any other female rappers around at that time that you could actually point out worldwide yeah, it's just somebody else that you were listening to. Oh, absolutely. Us girls from yeah. Beat Street. Okay. Um, we got taken out, went Martha and away. Jeffrey Roberts gathered up all the kids from the rec center and took us down to see Beat Street when yeah. they came here. So that was an introduction to seeing, wow, there's three girls on the mic, which ended up be <laughs> Debbie Deb and, you know, Shyrock. And, yeah. Yeah. So that was the first time I seen women do it. And they had a routine to it. So it was very Sister Sledge. And I liked punk. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everybody was a Diana Ross fan. Upside down to yeah. us girls. <laughs> the us girls. All right. I forgot yes. about the us girls until yeah. you said it. <laughs> wow. And that planted the seed again now. From the Beat Street movie. Yeah. <laughs> what was, do you actually remember your first rap that you actually wrote before you actually got into the business? 
there was one that I made a song. My first song I wrote was mm-hmm. I'm Not Afraid. Okay. Um, and that was produced by Carl Harvey. Uh, and we found a little studio down in Oakwood and um, went and recorded that. Yeah. Um, so that was my first song when I was like verse one, verse two, and there was no bars. So I think my first verse was probably 36 bars. And the second verse was just, it was just hip hop. You just yeah. told the story when the story finished. Yeah. That was the end of that verse. And then, you know, you went into whatever the hook was. Mm-hmm. So I'm not afraid was the first one. But writing little raps came from grade eight and grade seven poetry. You just sped, sped it up. Yeah, from there. Amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. And I know originally you were a battle rapper also. All yeah. right. How did that start out? <clears throat> the, um,. Wow. (laughs) It was the way to be introduced into the male part of the business um, because that's where, you know, the really gifted fellas in in hip hop, they wanted to battle. So to introduce myself as a woman, I wanted to be part of the battle, the battle, you know, frontier. And here we're coming up all these little hip hop competitions and. Laverne and I over at Martha Eaton Way decided to just sit down and just curse out all the American girls that we could find um, that were rapping because we weren't sure who was going to come and battle me in mm-hmm. the what ended up being the battle at the concert hall. So, um, yeah, and then when we found out her name and we couldn't find out anything, there was no information yeah. about anybody. So you just had to kind of think what would be generic yeah. and rude and feisty and um, <laughs> still improvise a culture. Because the main line was um, I went to the Jamaican to try to because I was like, she's not going to say that no matter where she's from. So, yeah, and that was still new and refreshing. So yeah. and I was very aware of, her, of our West Indian culture here. Yeah. yeah, That makes sense, because especially growing up in Canada back mm-hmm. then, you're whatever background you are first, then Canadian. Absolutely. You're Jamaican, then Canadian. You're Guyanese, then Canadian. Bayesian, then Canadian. That's how it was back then, mm-hmm. growing up. So you always remembered listening to like a Gregory Isaacs, Dennis Brown, a Shabaranks, or whoever was playing mm-hmm. at that time there. So you remember hearing them. And then you go back to your country and you're the Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the foreigner. Look, yeah. the foreigner came down. Absolutely. Yeah. No, 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 I talk late. No, can you? Just talk yeah. funny. Yeah. <laughs> funny. Yeah. I was just here. <laughs> so Crazy. Just own it. Okay. <laughs> All my A's oh, come out. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so then the competition here. So then you guys went, who did you actually end up battling that night there? Sugar Love. Sugar Love. Yeah, she came with uh, Cutmaster DC, representing Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. And how did that turn on? I won. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, Toronto's very behind me. And yeah. they didn't know me either. So only around the way, everybody that knew everybody that would rhyme, you know, in the parks and wherever. But parks mean in rec centers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no one really knew me. So that was my introduction to everybody from different areas, mm-hmm. downtown, meeting downtown. Downtown was the meeting spot. Everybody, yes. <laughs> east, west, north, south, downtown. Big slice, uh, Toonie Tuesday. Yes. And before, I'm calling it Toonie Tuesday, $2 Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you get it. And um, yeah, it mm-hmm. was just downtown was where you'd meet. At. I went to Jarvis Street Baptist Church, so I, and I already knew some of the people from church that were into music. So when I would see them again, all of us in the hip hop scene um, at, at the events at the party centers, and mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was when we were all like, "Oh, we're big! Don't tell! You won't tell! I won't tell!" Yeah, and we were all children, yeah. literally children, sneaking out of the house <laughs> to go. I remember everybody has nobody, a sneaking story. <laughs> what nobody was really living downtown per se. Everybody no. was either east or west. So to remember to get downtown and then to get. Back to wherever you are. And in the house. (laughs) And in the house quietly. Yeah. And I think they knew. Yeah. All parents knew. (laughs) As long as you didn't get into any crazy trouble, I think they just left it alone from there. Yes. 
and they had to work mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of working parents back then so yeah. and still now so yeah. yeah they had to work so and as long as in, yeah everyone was no one was getting in trouble yeah yeah makes sense mm-hmm. okay now so you say now you become a part of this budgeting budgeting hip hop scene in Toronto yes okay who all was there at that time there Oh, wow. There was a whole scene. Um, you didn't really know everybody until you met downtown. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure every area has their own little history of, and we weren't aware of it. And remember, I was still one of the youngest. No one knew how young I was, though, compared to the ones that were, you know, in the scene before. I was still little mishy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so there was there was K-Forest. Yes. There was uh, everybody in Sunshine. Brother D was considered an MC. Um, everybody that everything that came with sunshine, everything that came with roller skating, because mm-hmm. the music and the funk and everybody gathered at roller skating. I grew up on Lawrence, so I'm a part of that Amesbury roller skating community. And then in moving, then there was a terrace, and mm-hmm. then there was so many other. So roller skating was one of the first meeting spots. So the DJs that went out there and played, mm-hmm. you would go there. So yeah, there was a lot of people on the scene, but to name them all, yeah. not right now. In the uh, book. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I got you. And was yeah. anybody actually recording at that time there that you're aware of? Not recording. Yeah. And if they were, that's the part that we don't know, right? Yeah. yeah. But no, not recording. Not putting out records. Okay. Yeah. So, and that's where it comes in. Where we were the first. I was the first artist signed to a record because there was no industry here. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there was hip hop prior to me here, but we're all a part of this scene. And you wouldn't didn't know about anybody, even if anybody wants to predate Mishimi. Um, we really didn't know about each other. Mm-hmm. And what I stand for is when the industry started here. So yeah. this is when we went from a pro can to a so can. So mm-hmm. in being nominated for Juno, Red Hot Chili Peppers won, and then there was a hip hop category and Maestro won. Yeah. So there was stages to even get the genre. So I was just a the first artist to represent the music in the infrastructure when it was starting. So that makes total sense. That's yeah. why I was trying to get the backstory as in, okay. <laughs> they always credit you say you're the first one to get the deal and all of that stuff there. So I wanted to know who else was really around. So then now we basically hmm? Which Yeah. Yeah. People heavy on the scene. Yeah. Lady P. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna forget the females. Because yeah. they're like beyond powerhouse. Yes. Yeah, there was just so many crews and so many pockets mm-hmm. of hip hop, but no one had Miss Mischievous C, mm-hmm. Fly K, yeah. um, then Dishan. There were so many that we just all at some point just met downtown because I'm mm-hmm. sure everybody was doing it in their own, you know, coming from church, coming yeah. from school, coming from the babysitter, coming from roller skating, coming from playing floor hockey, mm-hmm. whatever you're, you know, when we met downtown is when we got to tell each other stories. Makes sense. We were introduced to each other. So from the battle now, you won the battle. What mm-hmm. was the next step from issue there? Convincing the industry here, and we're still doing it. Yeah. Um, that there were going to be there was going to be an urban artist from here. Yeah. That there that hip hop was in Canada. Um, it wasn't going to go out like disco. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a genre. It wasn't. It was different than jazz. Um, yes, there was black people doing it, but it was different mm-hmm. and it was new. And um, yeah, getting people to believe in it, but but still listening to the American way of doing it because hip hop had an accent. So yeah. even if you're from Canada, we were rapping with accents. We yeah. were all from New York. <laughs> so that's a part <laughs> yeah. of that. What's your number? Where are you from? Um, yeah. The brothers kept it in the street, though. We, we <laughs> ladies had it on the street. They kept it for caravan, yeah. and you know, you know, whether you live in Buffalo, like you were from New York. Um, so that hip hop had an accent. So we wanted 
wanted to prove that that whole way of doing music mm -hmm. um, made sense here. And no one believed that there were ghettos here. No yeah. one believed that there was any low income. Mm -hmm. No one believed that um, there was something that we can contribute to telling those stories when they knew hip hop was from the streets. <laughs> Makes total sense. So then now, what came first? You meeting L.A. Love or you going to the States? Oh, no, me working. I was doing hip-hop regardless. When mm -hmm. I came back, I came back to sign with Beat Factory and do the whole business aspect of it. In terms of the Bronx, my family is very diluted in the Bronx, so they're very much into the scene. I would go up to Stardust. Yeah. And Stardust had... Um, Everybody, like the, the old heads right now, you know, that were there, but we didn't know they were pioneers yeah. at the time. And they were performing, so everybody wanted to be a part of that. And again, I was lying about my age. <laughs> and with my older cousins, everybody hangs with yeah. my older cousins. So my scene and my environment was there. So mm -hmm. I was a part of the hip-hop scene there and here. And then came back here and it just could, you know, mom's at work, I'm out. <laughs> I was like, I'm not staying home, I know yeah. too much. In New York, they do this, in New York. And then I was selling jingles and gazelles and suits and, and MCM purses. I was a hustler. Okay. I was on the 32C selling cassette tapes, um, trying to get girls to give me their girl guide money, um, using mine, um, yeah. all kind of crazy. But just whatever it was could bring us together. That's how mm -hmm. the music was bringing us together in the whole hip-hop culture. Not everybody was rapping. Some people were dancing. Some people were just into haircuts. Some people were just um, into graffiti. Um, so it wasn't just so focused on the MC. So it was just everyone proving all these elements of hip-hop and proving that there was a genre. Um, there was an element to disco. There was an element to jazz. So how do we tell our parents that we're dancing on the floor, we're <laughs> doing windmills, we're, yeah. it's not safe, um, boys and girls do it. It was a whole new world mm -hmm. of hip-hop. And then it was like, hey, here in Canada. <laughs> yeah, so it was a, it was a, it was a big thing to prove. And you were happy to be a part of it at that time. They're just oh, something new, fresh, <laughs> and exciting where you, you feel like you discovered something. Like, yeah. hey, look, I discovered something. You know, and you bring to them. All right, so mm -hmm. when you went to the States now, mm -hmm. did you meet, how early did you meet um, Boogie Down Productions, which would be Scott LaRock and Karis mm -hmm. one? How early did you meet them in their career? That was one of the people that I met, like, hanging out in Latin quarters. And they were from the Bronx, and a lot of Bronx people, you know, the whole hip-hop circle, when the Bronx came down then of Latin quarters, it was mm -hmm. like everybody going back to the Bronx, travel back together. So I met uh, Scott LaRock in KRS-One. He was like, Chris, come over here. And they were trying to, she said she rapped. She's from Canada. Yeah. And that was it. And everybody was there. There was, you know, the whole pre-golden era, including R&B, um, Bobby Brown was there. So he it was like one big scene. Um, Ernie, who took all the pictures, so he would catch me on the street, and Zulu Nation would protect me and make sure I, I'd be on the street with too many chains, but I'm from Canada, ignorant, straight dancehall. And um, he just threw, threw the, the Zulu Nation over me um, to make sure don't rob her. <laughs> she's from Canada. Yeah. And she's with our brothers and brother, brother and yeah, so it was, it was very protective of the artists then. So mm -hmm. once they knew, and they knew once I started rapping, oh my God, she's here because of hip hop. So they're very protective of the women in the streets at that mm -hmm. time, at that young age. They knew, any, and then she's from Canada and it's Manhattan. And that yeah. was like where everybody met from wherever you're from as a tourist. And then hip hop was the hottest thing. And Latin quarters was the club. Mm -hmm. And yeah. That was another it. downtown. That was their version of downtown Manhattan. Yes. We have downtown <laughs> Toronto. They have Manhattan. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when you met, Boogie Down production now. Mm -hmm. Did they have any recordings out as yet or they were just more yeah. or less freestyling? 
freestyling and had recordings. Everybody had recordings out. Mm -hmm. They had cassette tapes. Mm -hmm. So they were working with Bill Blast and they were running the Bronx and and putting their putting their stuff together. So mm -hmm. that's how I knew who they were. And they were being introduced at the same time, but I still knew who they were because everybody knew who they were. And I was like, oh, that's my crew. So they're the Bronx. Follow them because they're going to take that train home. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was... I was very involved with them, and then they wanted to come to Canada. And I was like, yeah, we got to come to Canada. And then I introduced them to everybody and picked them up. Her promoter brought them here. And it was like, "You're come who's paying for you to come here? Yeah. Somebody booked us. Mishi, is he good? I'm like, yeah. da, da, da. So I picked them up at the airport and then um, stayed with them. We went and brought West Indian food, said we cooked it, yeah. and brought the West Indian food. <laughs> and, uh, and then the next day we had to cook. Yeah. So it was... Yeah, it was an yeah. experience. We were just trying to say, Canada is this and all the accent stuff. We were trying to prove it in the food. Don't eat the fast food. Yeah. Come, we're going to bring you to the West Indian. So, yeah, and that, and picked them up at the airport, and they went on and did their show. Mm -hmm. Ended up introducing me on stage. And so it was a mixture of the scene, and um, everybody was already involved in doing music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At that time there, because this is what I want to know, did they have the bridges over when you met them yet? In terms of timing and hindsight, it's hard to say. I think so. Mm -hmm. I think so, because I knew that we were, it was more South Bronx was a song that we gravitated to. Mm -hmm. But on that mixtape, there was so much. Like, who knows if Bridges Over was on that tape? It's it's one of those things. Like, I can look back on yeah. it so much. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, those were the songs yeah. that were juggling at the time in terms mm -hmm. of date, you know, Caravan and New Year's, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the reason why I was asking for Bridges Over is because, remember, Bridges Over is at hip-hop and reggae feel you know at that yeah. time there we didn't realize and that it was yes but it was that's well, why knew. i'm trying to figure if you no they knew no man shine had already did all their stuff dance hall was and they knew i was coming from because i would sneak out from first bright angle biltmore yeah so i was living dance hall because that was what i knew i worked in hip-hop so mm -hmm. they knew because when they met it was like the scene gravitating but because it was already together over there anyways mm -hmm. right so what they I, I fully believe because you can't deny it in the Bronx yeah yeah like reggae was there I do think that do, do, that whole you know that's where Stahoma could hurt you know what yeah. I mean it's it's undeniable yeah. a part of it yeah mm -hmm. but I do really think the pinch of it Heavy D knew and Shine Head knew mm -hmm. in terms of putting it together but everybody had to we didn't know about their tapes then too yeah so it's a and you had met time. Heavy D and Shine Head back then yeah. also. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And it's not like they knew who I was. It wasn't yeah. like, hi, I'm Mishimi. <laughs> and da, da, da. Heavy, yes. Shine yeah. Head, no. And when he came here and was mm -hmm. at the Copa, yeah. and we were like straight fans. Da, 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 da. And then I invited, emulated the dub plate for High Tech. High Tech, Amadem, Amadem, Amadem was huh? from Shine Head's release okay. on his album. Yeah. So I was a straight Shine Head fan. And he knew my cousin, the Bronx, and everybody. So, so you know, you just that want to get on. <laughs> yeah. I'm from Canada. What up, cousins? Those are my cousin's friends. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, hey, isn't that China? Kind of like that. Feel from a distance. He wouldn't even know I was in the background. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and your first label here, First Priority Records, okay? Mm -hmm. How did that deal even come around? That was even, that's the first major deal. My first deal prior to that was Elements to Style with Tim Westwood in England. So yeah, Tim Westwood. We had Hold underground on. radio. We're the Tim, Okay, we're Tim Westwood Canada and England. Still yeah, the Elements same style. Tim Westwood you're talking about. Yeah, here. Elements of Style was was Tim Westwood, and then he became Tim. <laughs> He's. I know this is what I'm saying. Everything was. 
Yeah. Hi, Tim. <laughs> what? No um, clue. So, okay, so then, okay, let's go to England and then go back to yes. uh, First Priority Records. Mm-hmm. How did you even connect with people in England? Because remember, at this time, there's no internet. Yeah, there was underground radio mm-hmm. and bricks in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Ivan Berry was a good combination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tim Westwood. Yeah. That I, I did not know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so yeah. then now, so then you're saying your second record deal now, which, mm-hmm. which this is now major the because album. it's first bird. This is the album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, Atlantic, Sylvia Rohn, signed <laughs> me. Sylvia, her name always comes up whenever it comes to She's anybody that's doing <laughs> a lot of hip hop, hip hop, reggae mix. Her name always seems to come up in the mix some way, somehow. She was the inspiration then. Like, even yeah. for me, seeing uh, being a, a young lady, seeing a young black woman in a label, yeah. able to translate Jamaican funk Canadian yeah. style. And she was here at the video shoot. Yes. Yeah. And they were like, more music, Mishy, more music. And I'm like, okay. So she's, um, yeah, she was always that. And she believed. She yeah. believed early in the in the entire scene. So everything makes sense to me. Every yeah. time I hear her name, I'm like, <laughs> it makes sense. I'm just have my story one day. Yeah. yeah. What was what was mm-hmm. that first meeting like? Especially you being Canadian, mm-hmm. them seeing that okay, you're doing reggae mm-hmm. and this hip hop thing. What was that initial meeting like? Oh, they didn't know in terms of the label meeting me and the genre. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what to do because here they are with MC Light and Vogue and Mishimi all on Atlantic Warner Brothers. There's n- the infrastructure is not solid enough to be like, oh my gosh, a lot of black girls mm-hmm. all at one time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And and that's how it felt to me. Maybe yeah. inside it was totally different, but there was a lot going on. And it's like shutting down the label here for Celine Dion when she started selling. It was like once we got a release date, things would move back. En Vogue was popping. Um, Hold On was out. Mm-hmm. Um, MC Light was the leader. So it was just like, you know, get in where you fit in. We did the Victories Calling. We did the um, the compilation over there. So it was just, it was a crazy ride, but mm-hmm. you got in where you fit in because all of us signed roughly at the same time because that's when the genre was getting bigger and R&B was having a big presence as well as hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And Vogue, MC Light, and Mission Me all on the same mm-hmm. but at the exact same time. Correct. <laughs> That's crazy because I know on First Priority Records, you guys had put out a compilation album. Yes. And one of the first, so I need you to finish this line for me, okay? People, here I am, and here I am, people. Not trying to be conceited, but there's no one equal. <laughs> How did wow. you come up with that? Because that was one of the songs that was actually on the compilation there. Yeah, that was that was sitting with uh, King Lou, mm-hmm. and we were just rhyming off, and that was like the punchline. It was had to start like that. It was a great intro because we're like, what are we going to say? Yeah. We want to say that. So that was that's where it started, and the rest was just freestyle. Yeah, yeah. There was there was no just whoever's in the room. They're Time doing to make it from songs. There. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's crazy. So at mm-hmm. this time, you're signed, you're there. Were you actually staying in the States or are you between the States and Canada at this time? Here? I love New York. I would sneak away like I sneak to Jamaica. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love New York. So mm-hmm. and I would always be in Jersey. Oh, and then I met MC Peaches, which is another label mate. They said to go to Peaches' house. I never left. <laughs> We're yeah. still besties up to this day. Mm-hmm. And 
she just lost her mother so rp and my condolences to the entire family it's still kind yeah. of fresh yeah so yeah and we went on a boat cruise and everything bahamas i had seen your skin we were yeah. we're gonna go there and <laughs> had this whole moment last summer and then covid yeah and then yeah so didn't peaches connect. hank i love you i yeah. went to mc peaches house and i would always be in new york um, that would be my safe haven. Mom always cooked, uh, introduced me to grits. I was like, what's yeah. this? Grits uh, and eggs. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I would make, you know, say, I like plantain. Are we going to eat the banana? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so it was all those moments that I enjoyed growing up on mm -hmm. Smith Street, Newark, East Orange. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And then I still go back now in Rahway and I, New Jersey. So I'm very much a New York, New Jersey girl. I think I own, I should have some state in the share in Lincoln Tunnel yeah, because I take it so much. I know when the price raises. Oh, my God, it's sickening. Yeah. But it's a little uh, Toronto thing. Yeah, I love New York, so I would always go there. So having, whether anything changed in the music scene, I was always still very versed in music because my friends elevated quicker than my friends here in Canada. Yeah. And the scene was growing, and it was like one friend became a million, and they became farther and further, further away. And I seen the entire scene I seen people rebel from jobs. I seen yeah. people, you know, go platinum, get budgets. You know, everybody ended up at the tunnel. Mm -hmm. You know, so it went from Latin quarters to tunnel. Like just, you know, for, for a tourist perspective, those yeah. are the things that we gravitated to. It was like, what's the next big thing? Mm -hmm. Five to ten years later, what are the kids into? And you know, we we're all trying to be like, forty is the next what? Yeah, yeah <laughs> thirty is the we were here what? Yeah, so yeah. we would find our place there. So New York has been a very active in my um lifestyle <laughs> all right so when you signed you signed and i guess you stayed there for a while then you came back and were mm -hmm. you working on the album in the states or in canada or in the both? states in the states yeah in the states mm -hmm. it was um yeah we were there and we were taking pictures um photo shoots we did the promo um ellie love came back so <laughs> it was always there yeah. um <laughs> let me do the work yeah. yeah and we would do i would just stay in any time there was an opportunity to go to an industry party industry parties was the shit the thing to go to yeah. so I'm like get me on the list Mishi's here get me on the list and um, Peaches Erica she knew everybody so she would just make calls even if she couldn't make it I could make it mm -hmm. I would go to someone's house in Brooklyn what's up to SWAT SWAT she used to dance be um it was just wherever it was mm -hmm. I would like to be there and consider it promo and yeah I was a part of the promo yeah promo crazy. parties crazy yeah because again you're talking about Latin quarters the tunnels and all that this is more hardcore hip hop clubs yeah I remember watching some dance hall VHS back then and seeing you front and center <laughs> and did I say MC Peaches right beside me was MC Peaches <laughs> Eric and I had snuck out um with some people. Yeah. yeah some. <laughs> Friends of mine. We left out of there. Well, actually, you ended up standing against the wall. But, yeah, I think shots fired at the end of the night. Yeah. It was a Biltmore Ballroom style of exit. Way in the morning, though. The dance was nice. Yeah. The dance was so good and nice. There's, like, how many videos of it. Um, but at the very, very end, yeah. in the morning, <laughs> yeah, there was a, it was an exit. You were mm -hmm. in some of the most legendary places in New York at that time. Biltmore yeah. Ballroom, the tunnel. Latin quarters, everything that people talk about to this day. I know, didn't even you were, know. Yes. <laughs> but, I, but you were just there to experience it. It wasn't anything. Yeah, it was where mm -hmm. the heavy hitters were. So, mm -hmm. and coming from Canada, I always wanted to be around 
you know, the most known, the popular, you gravitate to the it. And all of them went to the same places. Just like here, if there's something's really like if Atlantis is going on, we all know Atlantis yeah. is going you know what I mean? It's these but that's how it was. And mm-hmm. I would and my friends made it. Like, yeah. you know, it was just they were just doing things. If they couldn't go, I would get the call, they'd make the call. So that was the cool thing. And then I would look extra cool too, because mm-hmm. my friends from Canada be like, We're all going. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Okay, so you're doing your album and everything. Mm-hmm. This is um, what's the name of the album again that you guys recorded? Jamaican funk, Canadian, Canadian style. style. We did the first single was just straight Jamaican funk yeah. with the Jaybird uh, the sample. Yeah, because what you were doing back then, it's like you were rapping, and then halfway in the song, you get him a dance hall style, and then go back to rapping again. You understand? And back then, it was we didn't even. We're just like, yeah, that's my identity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my identity. That that was that was it. It was just yeah. like it's going to make me different. Yeah, was yeah. the to have the accent. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and they they're like Canadians. They don't speak like British, but um, the, the Jamaican her sounds kind of. And they said it even back then, but it wasn't so heavy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so heavy, but the Jamaican yeah stood out. Yeah, mm-hmm. crazy that video now. Where did you guys record the video? Here. Here. Yes. All right. You remember you remember recording that video? Yes. Tell and me about it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the entire scene, it was like a party in the daytime. Yeah. We were seeing it. It was like, it was the first day party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly. It was a day party on camera. Yeah. And it was all ages because you could bring the kids. And we went to Falstaff and Boyer, my friend's sister, um, Carol's truck and we put mm-hmm. the kids in there and 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 we just had a party with them and all those kids are being so funny when I see them yeah. on social media. But um yeah, we just had at Michadine's pizza pizza Michadine's patties yeah. delivered our patties and that was a big deal. Oh my god, you make a fun. We got patties yeah. for everyone. And um then uh, and Sylvia Rome was there and that was a big deal cuz I was I was very proud to say that the label's here, the label's here. Yeah. And we had designed our own suits. We made our own. We did our own hair. Did our own clothes. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, the dance hall thing to do. And psychic crew was just doing our own thing. We had no choice. Princess was the dressmaker. <laughs> so when we had Jamaican funk, Allison did the hair. So we Blah. all went and sewed pieces in and crimp, crimp, yeah. colors, <laughs> cut out diamonds <laughs> and sprayed in the diamonds yeah. the color to have the color pattern. I think everyone in the scene was very creative then but we used to have you know that twist yeah <laughs> crazy because i remember when that video actually came out. i think it was 1990 or 91 yeah it the was video came earlier yeah a lot of stuff was done earlier but we waited so long so it seems like a 1991 release we were signed so much earlier how come you guys waited so much longer so many black girls on the radio on the lady yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. there was just um it's just probably timing who that the infrastructure was new canada that we were the first yeah there was sent them here we did hear, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So there was, there was. You just sat and wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're very grateful that the world, when it happens, will get to know your name. Yeah, yeah. I remember back then too, especially when you seen that video come on. Much music. It was like you were uber excited back then to see <laughs> this. Like, hey, she's on Much Music. You understand? Yeah. Crazy, crazy, crazy. <laughs> Me too. I was just as happy as everyone consuming it. Very happy. Um, yeah, because that meant like you made it here. Yeah. <laughs> 
you made it. You were on Much Music? Yeah. yeah. They really developed me. Mm-hmm. And um, we were giving street credibility in terms of hip-hop is cool. You're like the MTV here. We're going to make it down. And you, we've got this stuff here. You, you're you going to represent what we're about. And I would bring all my friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was, it was really the meeting place to downtown for people that wanted to be in business mm-hmm. of music. Makes sense. And mm-hmm. what did that album actually do for your career at that time there? Oh, it was great. It introduced me to the world and across Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, it let people know who I was as, as an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, it let me stay who I was as, as an artist. Um, yeah, it, it really was a great introduction. I didn't have to change anything. Mm-hmm. No one could tell me to go to weave. No one could tell me change hair color. No one could tell me don't wear the ruffles. No mm-hmm. one could tell me. I mean, they tried. It's like, that's dancehall. I'm like, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, but you but you rap? Yeah. <laughs> so it was very hard. It was like, she looks dancehall, but she's rapping. And nothing yeah. has changed. And one side is reggae and one side is hip hop. Mm-hmm. And we kind of kept the same thing. I haven't changed. They did. The yeah. did. <laughs> I ain't changed. You did. Yeah. That's what I always say. That's, yeah. yeah, because I remember a lot of times you would see you in the dance hall parties, <laughs> but you turn on your TV and see you on TV <laughs> rapping. And then when I started to do rock, man, I'd be like, yeah. oh my God, she's on drugs. <laughs> she's on drugs. Rock and roll. Rocking. Like, yeah, man, no, yeah. it's cool. It's cool, yeah. man. It's cool. First, it's like, oh, God, Michelle, I dance on the floor. Mm-hmm. And then it became, that never yeah. So yeah. it was, you know, seeing me grow up in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure my family had jokes. <laughs> Talking about that, when you told your mom or even your family, say, hey, mm-hmm. I want to be a rapper. And remember, most likely they have no clue what this is. All right. What was her response or their response at that time? There? Oh, gosh. Like any God-fearing mother, stop. <laughs> stop. Get a job. <laughs> get something to fall back on. <laughs> you didn't mm-hmm. even get the, to yeah. the, you know. So the speeches came out. Anything West Indian parents say, no matter where you're from. Mm-hmm. Um, once you migrated here, <laughs> whatever came with the, the migration speech mm-hmm. in any accent, um, yeah, it was like, how dare you divert from that? Yeah, and I, I speak about it and stuff like you don't want to be a doctor, a lawyer, and those are the things that they wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's like you're not following where we're all, you know, pharmaceutical nurses, doctors, pharmacists, what's going on? Legal, mm-hmm. you're not going to get into law. I know I'm writing songs mm-hmm. and raps, yeah. and they rhyme at the end, and it's so time consuming, and it's same 24 hours in the day how mm-hmm. is this going to make you a living yeah so there's always that worry mm-hmm. and then i kept doing it yeah and kept <laughs> so, doing it and kept doing it and kept doing it yeah. and doing it and dropping albums yeah all right yeah. got you a couple more stuff i want to go through yep. the history before we bring you right up to date right now okay okay 91 everything comes out you're touring across canada you across the states also or anywhere outside of the states Just pockets and promo tours like yeah. wherever mc light went and i got an opportunity to get on the bus and kind of go with her and the yeah. crew i was there audio too anywhere they went i was there yeah yeah so and i was still getting over scott larock dying so it was, yes yeah. that's what we want to talk about too <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. because he died in 89 mm-hmm you would know that I, right now I'm black. When I hear it, I just black. I go like, Bleh. yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> I understand because that would be especially for somebody so young. That's a real traumatic experience yeah. because this mm-hmm. is somebody you met before 
everybody really blew up and the scene blew up mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. Scott just went and passed especially so tragically mm -hmm. you understand I remember the calls were like Michi sit down yeah no yeah sit down yeah yeah <laughs> Scott LaRock mm -hmm. and Karis. Yeah. I always say things would have been different. He was my Puff Daddy, my Dr. Dre. He was going to get that deal with Russell. He was going to, I believe my whole life would have been different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if Scott went, was still here. Yeah. So it was, it was, it hit. And I understood that. I say this now, but I understood that then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's where I would really hit home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, that was especially for hip hop at that time where it's being so young. That mm -hmm. was. That was almost unheard of. I don't think anybody had really died or got murdered or anything in hip-hop pre-Scott LaRock that I could remember off the top of my head. with a degree, working at a center, working, educated man yeah. in the business of music. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's and our well record there. was one of the last records he produced before he died. Which record was that? At the same elements of style. <laughs> he produced it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. And again, when you're going through all of this, this is still so early that you probably don't even know what you guys are doing. You're, mm -hmm. We're just trying to get our voice heard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's different, Mish. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So you come back. You're doing your stuff here. What I noticed, too, was Mishimi wasn't just Mishimi alone. It's mm -hmm. like you had a whole ensemble. Mishimi LA Love. You had dancers and you had um, Dream Warriors too. Mm -hmm. Were Dream Warriors your hype man? They were a group together. What was the situation with Dream Warriors yeah. at that time there? Louis King Lou, he was always a Dream Warrior. Mm -hmm. He was always from the multiverse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he's just Louis. And then he became my hype man in terms of we just want to get on the road. It's just like me going out with MC Light and them. And in turn, when they ended up going to Europe and blowing up, we ended up getting to go with them as uh, LA Love. And I went with them and we opened for Gangstar. So it was just kind of like that's how hip hop was growing. Mm -hmm. um, however, the industry could, can connect the artists. We happened to be the artists that could actually go and represent Canadian hip hop. Mm -hmm. So King Lou was the hype man and one of the best hype men too. I, he knows all my songs. Um, I know some of his. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and he's, um, yeah. And then the Dream Warriors in mm -hmm. LA Love. So were Dream Warriors designed to be a rap group or they just happened to <laughs> break out after the fact? How oh did that even God. come around? Yeah, but when you, when I laughed because when you say rap group, it was like, yeah, they were so different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, they were designed to be a rap group. Like mm -hmm. Dream Warriors, it was just easier to kind of introduce us to the industry. And they had a demo all the time. I introduced them to Ivan Barry, okay. um, brought his demo, and the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's no signers fee back then, but yeah. <laughs> but it was you just brought all your friends that were into music yeah. to the right people. And I really knew a lot of people, so connecting the dots. Mm -hmm. And Beat Factory was established, and they were doing a lot of R&B stuff with Traffic Jam and Rupert Gale and Ellie Love is Rupert Gale's brother so it made it easier it was like what does everyone in the family like to do mm -hmm. and kind of just put our friends and everybody together and I had met through K-Force yeah. so yeah it was just, and we all used to hang out at the Bamboo and they used to do R&B shows and we'd be at the Bamboo just talking about we're doing hip hop and there was that you know that funk and hip hop R&B that was a showcase spot, and yeah. Orin Isaacs ended up playing there. There was so much history in terms of um, the grassrooting 
mm-hmm. of Canadian hip hop artists, and then the groups and the and the, the names of the bands and stuff. Then the deals came after. Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. At first, Priority Records. Now, how many albums did you actually record with them? One. It was the one, one you recorded. Body, yeah, we started many after, but there was so much off went whoever and whatever, and it was like, ah. Mm-hmm. Go back to Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And then this is where you went <clears throat> more into dance hall. Now, when you came back to Canada, mm-hmm. this is where you're really in the dance hall scene with the Nevertheless. infamous, <coughs> infamous psychic crew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. At, this, <laughs> at this point here, were you guys all still together, Dream Warriors, LA Love, or everybody had b- broken up at that time there? There's one scene. No one, everyone keeps their jobs. <laughs> it's like, it's so Toronto. It's like, uh, we're still, you know, you work here, you work here, you work there. The music, you either show mm-hmm. up at the studio, at the interview, or mm-hmm. you don't. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we're all very focused on trying to make a living mm-hmm. and just trying to do music where we can, that it would be something that we could live off of. So I think, you know, the music became the music and we became who we were yeah. naturally because you had to keep, you had to still be, like with or without the music, I was, I was kind of popular in the scene. So mm-hmm. that just made the music a little easier, whether I was doing either basketball, track mm-hmm. and field, there was little elements and pockets that I would meet other students mm-hmm. at other big, going to Offsaw, I would meet a lot of people from Scarborough. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I met a lot of them, the track meet. It was a big thing to go to Lamaru or to go to Birchmount. Um, and see everybody and meet everybody and Mm -hmm. then to see them all the music they liked so that was you know anywhere that we could all get together we were still people so yeah everybody lived their lives and then did their artistry but never really put it down because I'm sure DreamWorks has an album somewhere right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. We never put it down. So yeah. there was no one before the the other. I think everyone kind of kept going. But whatever happened when the labels invested mm-hmm. happened at the time. Got you. Yeah. Got you. Okay. With the sidekick crew here. <laughs> how yes. did you form this sidekick crew? And how it come it was so... Sidekick <laughs> <laughs> starts with a sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> the okay. limited edition Makes came sense. out. Yeah. And I had just gotten my advance. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted a limited edition black and gold truck. Yeah. And I got a sidekick. Mm-hmm. Um, had boyfriend with some money. <laughs> he was like, get what you want. And I did. And came home. All my homegirls and from high school, the crew, Allison, Karen, Judy, Kim. Oh, my goodness. Norva goes on. There's so, there's so, Veronica. If I forget somebody, no, I'm Gail. Jeez, Nadine. <laughs> I'm going to forget every male bar. There's so many of us. But there's, and, and people have come and gone. Yeah. And we were just all, it was a, it was like a sister ship, and, but the den- common denominator was dance hall, yeah. like straight dance hall. We all had so many things in common. Still all different people had the, the men of let's we're going to dress up on this day because this occasion's coming. We're all going to wear one color and we're all going to do it in a different style. And everybody had their own little, you know, popularity in their own way, their own swag. And we just like hanging out and going out together, just like girls and sisters now. But back then we were like, nah, we're in. <laughs> it was like this private sword, we're in. Yeah. We we're not going out. And yeah, and we still keep in touch. I think me and Sophie and Gail and Nadine were the most 
keeping in touch, bothering each other. Yeah. yeah. Psychic crew. Yeah, because I guess at this time here, you would went more full dance. Were you still recording yeah. when you were in Psychic or you were in between oh, at this yeah. phase here? They were, I'm just, everybody had to hear my raps. In the car, you get in my truck, you hear my raps. <laughs> my car, my, my rules. My raps, my instrumentals, my playing. <laughs> I want to play En Vogue again. Nope, play Jay-Z. Yeah. Play Z. So no matter what, you get in my car, you had, yeah. So I was always, you know, and dance all. You have everything. Oh my God, Shabba, we play, so we just we love music we mm. love and they were very hip hop too as much as the dance hall we were okay. all very hip hop too so it was very easy for us to hang out we played music to go get the material to get the clothes to go to the dance hall <laughs> it was like it was all one big mm-hmm. thread of uh, people who consume music alright and Be- like to party you know what you're right because that was the biggest thing in Toronto at one time and even I think you guys went to the states a couple of times too as yeah, we were of course yeah. yeah we would do so it was the end thing to do but I'm ready was kicking from New York, so yeah. we we're like, Oh my god, Angela Strike has crew. Right. I was like, The old crew, like, it was so much things, yes. so it was just like, Yo, we're the Canadian, you know, yeah. So it was, it was dance hall, mm-hmm. you know. So, and there was so much reggae music in Canada when the dance hall became popular. Toronto was a place to go for sure. If you were, you know, coming from the island, Jamaica, and you wanted to just bust in the scene, you went to New York where you came to Toronto, just like hip hop. Hip hop went from New York to Toronto before we heard more about the town south of Midwest. Toronto is always a place that you either go through the Commonwealth, probably make it part of your trip, or mm-hmm. you make it part of your North American route on the, as a big city. Yeah. Makes sense mm-hmm. because I know when it comes to this industry called entertainment, mm-hmm. you've wore a lot of hats. <laughs> I've seen you, the funny so thing with it. I've so <laughs> seen you as a videographer yeah. for much music. I'm a camera woman. I like it. <laughs> How did that come around? Out of mm. all things, because you're coming from in front of the camera. Yeah, Denise How did Dolan. you go behind? Big boss. Yeah. Big boss. Denise Donlin, much music. I would put on my outfit, and I'd still like to dress up in Ray Ray Ray. She'd call me Mishy Spice um, with the camera, because <laughs> Spice Girls was so big on much music. <laughs> and here I am, dressed up like one of, with a camera. So she believed in me, and I was trained by uh, Tony. Not Tony, um, his cousin. Oh. The, the other young yeah Basil Basil yes. young 20 young and Basil yeah. so yeah always see. so yeah so Basil trained me um, Joel Avery who like edits everything on CTO every time I see his name in the credits um, I would paper cut and he would train me we'd sit late so um, I wanted to learn behind the scene just in case so, mm-hmm. and camera I love camera I still yeah. walk with a rebel D yeah. um, I'm, I'm slowing down on the editing though I'm gonna get a new editing babe but that was okay. that was I, it still is one of my and I like pictures like I go nuts on Facebook on pictures if yeah. you catch me now and then yeah because i like to tell the stories with stills and, and shots so yeah much music believed in me and most most trusted me with that big camera it's crazy and the thing yes. with it you're an artist so you're generally in front of the camera yeah so then now be behind the camera that's Probably another different. skill yes all together Light took it to another level because yeah. MC Light is directing now. So we, everybody gets the bug. You just grow into whatever yeah. you think. So I'm so I'm so proud of her. Yeah. And um, everybody that's still alive doing whatever, I'm just super proud of. Yeah. <laughs> and doing doing what they want to do mm-hmm. is things. So yeah, I'm more behind the camera, and I like to I like to tell stories. Um, whether it's on this mic rapping mm-hmm. or visually, mm-hmm. I like being behind that much. As in terms of the rest of the scene, 
not so much. Yeah. <laughs> still Storytelling. A bit creative, yeah. yeah. A bit, bit creative. That's always been a part of you, hasn't it been? Yeah. yeah. It's what keeps me going more. The other stuff will, you know, carry you through all this other mm-hmm. moments of mm-hmm. frustration. Yeah. If you sleep. So the creative side really keeps you kind of free. <laughs> Makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> Another thing I know you got into mm-hmm. and you were doing a lot of it also was acting. Yes. <laughs> All right. One of the first movies that I actually seen you in was um, In Too Deep. Yeah. With LL Cool J and um, Omar Epps. Pam Greer was in it. There was a lot of people in it. Yes. How did that come around? Veronica, well, I went as a reader. Um, they were hiring readers for with American accents. I could talk to speak American. Yeah. And then you're not going to put me in American set. And then I go see LL. Mishi, what are you doing here? I'm working at my job in Canada. Yeah. You are the star here. Don't because I always opened up for LL Cool J. Whether he came here, mm-hmm. and there, so it was just like, Macy, and then he would put me in food. Gave me all my my Fubu jacket. All of us got Fubu. Gay Fubu. Me and Veronica Webb. He made me the godmother of. Gave me one line, my name. Yeah. In the in that, that but it was like, nah. She sits over here because he felt. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you're a reader, but you're not acting. Now you come with us. So they made me. You know, if you're a reader here, you kind of leave the stars and they go. He put me in the limo. We drove yeah. around in the limo in Toronto t- to get in the zone. Put gave me my Fubu jacket. Um, I got to share a trailer, I think, with somebody. Like he really. Made me so. Shouts out to LL Cool yeah. J. Yeah, he made me. He he reminded people here, and I remember one of the execs came to me and said, "How do you know all these people?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "You don't know why I'm yeah. here." <laughs> and then by the end, um, they they kind of left me alone on set. But like, okay, she's she's part of the cast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So shouts out to LL. Into the big, big, big. Yeah. Another <laughs> another classic that I've seen you in. Was when we're on on TV. Drop the beat. Yeah. All right. Crazy. <laughs> One of my favorite jobs. <laughs> How did that come around? Well, we were sitting at CKLN. It was it was it was very hard to play a lead, but because it was so close to what I was doing already, and the storyline is so CKLN, it's so CHIY, it's so anywhere that's radio underground radio, not underground college radio. Yeah. It's that route. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so being the female there, and then I got to do all the hip hop, be the artist. It came about they were doing a mass audition for everybody, so a lot of people auditioned. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, I believe they wanted uh, DJ starting from scratch to be the main guy, and Shaman got it. Um, there was just so many people that they had a vision mm-hmm. of what the scene is, and this was one of the best ways that they could have brought it to light because we got we we made sure that the entire hip hop scene um, got a cameo. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the entire scene, I wish it would come back. Um, you got to see everybody in their youth days making some of their TV debuts mm-hmm. um, right here on the CBC, and it was so cool because um, CBC took a risk in hip-hop mm-hmm. and that was a big moment for me just personally yeah. <laughs> and i was like yeah and then to be a part of it and then to you know play lead that was my first lead yeah and you think you're rich and then <laughs> and then you and then you shop, shop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well welcome yes. welcome to canada yeah you know so what I mean? yeah cbc really uh that when they took that risk yeah that was a big deal for me because that's that's one of the main things that keeps me going in the acting world yeah um not everything lasts forever and so forth but drop the beat was such a staple so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. how long was drop the beat on for uh we had two seasons if you go two you're happy yeah <laughs> <laughs> two seasons yeah. Yep. you're um, good yeah we were yeah. so close to three we we're like yeah. yeah i just remember my character being shipped off to europe for tour <laughs> i was like oh man that's that part 
that's that part. Yeah. So yeah, I knew it wasn't coming back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah, right. it, it, it was a good one. Divine is the character. She's still on tour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the plan. Thanks, yeah. COVID. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Even now, because another another hat, because you've worn so many hats in this industry, mm-hmm. and I think we jumped a step. You it's were actually a radio into radio, and that's what got you into acting. Yes. To let, can you remind me, please? Because there's so much going on. You had me jumping from AJ, AJ, um, yeah, radio for mm-hmm. Red Rice and uh, DJX and with Gemini. And they were like, Gem wants to do something else. Why don't you come? I want you to. And I sat there and I kept I kept going back every Saturday for four years. Yeah. And I was like, how did we get here? How did yeah. four, almost five get every and it was it was a part of me growing up it was my therapy yeah yeah i love radio and that was um so to include that in the part yeah that's what made drop to beat lead yeah. a lot easier that's so crazy again mm-hmm. as i said camera woman mm-hmm. actress <laughs> radio presenter mc what haven't you done in the business that you still want to try out right now well, I'm I'm doing it because COVID is, or sorry, I can talk about it. This pandemic, this whole whatever's giving me some time, all of us some time. So mm-hmm. I'm writing. I'm negotiating a book deal right now, and it feels good to yeah. actually tell some stories and putting together producing. So producing a film and documents, being in the back and being able to use all my resources yeah. and find how I could come up with a creative product, mm-hmm. as well as learn more about about branding. And I would like to direct too, as well as just play lead more. I really think I like learning other people from other people's words instead of me putting it out, mm-hmm. um, being able to make that transition in acting because that is a difference. It's a whole team of people working and getting directed and getting a role that really brings substance and shows the growth from, um, oh, my Queen Latifah, <laughs> showing some growth from the side yeah. with a little Caribbean, you know what I mean? I want them to see the Caribbean girl grow up. And, and and be introduced in a part in a role so that's something that I haven't really seen yet so that's something like that that's it it makes total sense that's something like it makes total sense because and all of this because I think at one time when you were doing radio you were acting and all this you weren't really putting out a lot of music but then you got oh. back to the music yes one of the songs one of your big premiere songs that had came out was I Don't Want to Be a Slave yes alright <laughs> how did that come around let's talk about that that's a well. gigantic song <laughs> It came from, um, okay, uh, first of all, it's it was an old Rolling Stone song. So we, I was hanging out with Estero um, and Jellystone. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we were downtown. And we're like, let's run up to Sony Studio. And we met up with John Levine from Philosopher King yeah. and Mr. McDonald on the guitar. And we went and they just started playing away the song. And I wrote, do it and do it. And I didn't want to sing it. And she sang it, but I wrote it. And then we went off, and then Jelly started with his pen and his magic, mm-hmm. and off we went, and the song became its own thing. So recorded it, started at Sony Studios, a pre-production studio, just hanging out, um, being ha- being blessed to have the access to go in and create. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and off I went to Metalworks and started making another album because that song just did so much magic for all of us. Yeah. 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 And this song was, you were seasoned already. You were probably at least 15 years into your career at this time here. Yes. 
I was, I was, I was, <laughs> it was really nice. It was a good experience. And then seeing the part it played in, even when um, Flow 93.5 came on, it was the second song played after Bob Marley when they introduced. I was on the milestone board. I was the artist on the board with Mr. Denim Jolly and the crew, and Ivan hooked me up. And yeah, so we was, we were demonstrating that the artists here, whatever. So seeing it placed in places, yeah, mm-hmm. that's my little hang on to so and it works every time I do it in hip hop reggae yeah. wherever um, yes Canadians love grab gravitate and be like that's our here made here there there yeah so it worked out big, well for me big big okay big. so then no down your musical journey mm-hmm. when did Ragged Death actually come into the fold yeah. now <laughs> Ragged Death is my goodness going to school of makeup art because another side job I went to be yeah. a makeup artist so I went to school of makeup art because nobody was doing my makeup the way that I wanted to do my makeup mm-hmm. and um, I had gotten a student grant that's where my student loan is um, mm-hmm. right over that so I got my student loan and being a makeup artist at the school of makeup art in Girard mm-hmm. and they were recording down at Ontario down at uh, Wellesley Studio and they were like having all these guys come in and they were saying we want to do we want a, a voice set to, we want rap on this, but we don't know if girl or, girl or boy at the time. So all the guys, of course, when I make it a girl or boy thing, it's deep. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because everyone was saying, nah, it's going to sound this girl. And then I got the call. Walter called me in and I went and I never left. <laughs> and I never left. I'm cutting it short. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then we had a bunch of MCs. So it wasn't just, a, it wasn't just about me, but I had to earn my position to be there because Friendly Man was a part of it. Um, this. Everybody was a part of it. We had a couple artists that went off into La La Land. I just don't sure. want to talk about it. But yeah, so it was mostly the root of it was myself, Walter, and Steve Kendall. Yeah. Yes. And, and Paul, may rest in peace. It wasn't. <laughs> how did you feel going from Mr. Raven, hip hop and reggae, to hardcore rock now? There's no other way mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah, the root, the metal, the the root of it is very. Dynamic. I think if 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 Rastafarians and and reggae was to do something else, like it would be hardcore, yeah. it'd be punk, it'd be rock, <laughs> and they let me be me. They let me be me, and I think that was the main thing. If you don't, let, and I didn't do anything different there than I didn't do with when I was doing the hip hop records. I got to do the reggae, and I got to rap, mm-hmm. and I got to write. <laughs> Other than that, leave me alone. And then I got to perform the mic, and I love live instruments. Mm-hmm. When they introduced me to the band aspect of it, because I performed with them as my first band experience. It wasn't okay. a reggae band. It wasn't yeah. a hip hop band. My big band touring experience was with a rock band. Yeah. So when I got to see that, and I was like, Ooh, my shit, wait a minute. It looked good. It looked yeah. <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. yeah, so... You know, I'm, I'd rather parachute in the girl than, yeah. than, than the... But yeah. it was so fun. The experience, um, the going on tour with Biff Naked and SNFU, mm-hmm. main punk pop invitational tour across Canada, getting someone to invest in that tour. Huge turnout. Um, Ragged Death went on and we did three albums. So I got to be, you know, three albums deep with them. Yeah. And they got international distribution. So the fact that that, and, I, and, and it still leads and it introduced me to a whole other marketplace that I'm comfortable in putting a rock song on my new album. We're getting yeah. there. We're, we're about <laughs> so, to get there. 
Yeah, it was really, really, it was no one, no rush. No, yeah. It was just really a good experience because mm-hmm. I got to do more records in big studios. I only got to do the big studio record with my stuff in the U.S. So all my other ones are just studio hopping. And I stayed after that with my engineer, Darius, um, from Phase One of Metalworks. Mm-hmm. And because they spoiled me. <laughs> so I'm used to big rooms now. Yeah. Yeah. So I even when I'm doing indie, it's like I still got to get a big room. So I'm all up in Phase One. Because that's where you feel comfortable. Yeah, and big room. Yeah, it's all good. You've been in this business now for 35 years. All right. Mm-hmm. What is your weapon of choice? The pen or the microphone? Oh, the mic. The pen, the pen, because the pen sometimes wasn't in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just, you know what I mean? So, And it depends because people are so different with it. But the mic, mm-hmm. if the mic is on... It's just we just deleted just one of the <laughs> process. We sped mm-hmm. it up, so I would you know they say the pen is my dear, but I know what I, I would say the mic yeah. and the pen because if I'm from writing, yes. Oh my goodness, let me let me put it in context because I'm sure the pen is mighty because I'm into writing and often I'm looking at it that way. Yes, you can get out more, mm-hmm. but I do think if you have the straight, non-edited microphone, it's just mightier to me. In con- like when I seen the world change to content. Yeah. And access to, you can say anything now, anywhere, but like back in the day, you wouldn't want this mm-hmm. because it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. So that's why I've transitioned to say, I used to be all about the pen and I still am, but the microphone's a pretty powerful thing because we see the mic on everything and, and it's pretty powerful on any app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get <laughs> on it. any app. <laughs> you 100% get yeah. that. <laughs> You've seen a lot in your career. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think that you would see Canada where it is right now in the musical space? Absolutely. And I'm going to say that proud and confident because when we started, there was no machine. So I'm not from the the numbers, the, the you know, if you get you're you're popular because you have all the grants, mm-hmm. you're you're the best. It, it was I'm not from that world yeah. so things are like when you have to do things by Friday and Saturday like it's it's different for me so no of course we wouldn't have done it yeah we did it because we were trying to we weren't we weren't proving to ourselves the battles were coming here hip-hop came here we were dance hall was here reggae was here yeah. we're not reinventing anything it was here mm-hmm. we've been just trying to prove all these years that we're here yes and I get one cute little brown boy I would mm-hmm. jump up on cute little brown and wear me a trick can write and you know and do his thing so we got it we you know and I say we because mm-hmm. That's what we've been trying to say for a long time. And it takes money to get there. Yeah. It's not just get up and you're going to write a song and from Canada and they're going to put you on. It takes a lot of money to be invested mm-hmm. in radio for you to get to that position. But you have to hold your own because a lot of people get introduced to that position and don't go nowhere. We've seen the market grow so much. You've done a lot of acting. You've done behind the scenes, front of the scenes. Now mm-hmm. we're in 2020. <laughs> you know what happened now? Mishy decided to drop a brand new project. Brand new project. Thank you. What keeps you going and wanting to even still drop music after so long? 
Well, definitely the assistance of grants yeah. <laughs> kind of re- reinforces the confidence. I'm mm-hmm. always writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and music, it was just like, and I wanted to prove to them, and not them meaning the industry, meaning the people that consume hip hop, mm-hmm. that there is no age thing when it comes to the fellas. Mm-hmm. So some of the ladies that have been doing it a long time are coming back out. And it's just like, we just want, you know, and I'm in bodies of work albums. Mm-hmm. So I really just wanted to force an album out. I'm going to put the other albums up. It's a new way of doing stuff. I wanted to put everything out in the digital world. Going to get Jamaica Fun Canadian Style up there. Going to get First Cut as the Deepest up there. Okay. Everything. So I'm kind of reintroducing myself to a market. But mm-hmm. there is no, there's some brothers I grew up with that were older than me, and nobody is telling them to stop. So yeah. I just wanted to represent for the ladies, mm-hmm. um, because we're in like this jazz era of hip-hop where... Army's not gonna, gonna die because we take it the route. Like I'm very dancehall, and dancehall yeah. people don't sit down. They do other songs. They end up doing a cover. They end up changing thing. They end up doing something else. Find another producer. They mm-hmm. do something else. So me, I want them. But I'm coming yeah. in the hip hop form yeah. of Menalego. <laughs> <laughs> so Bad Girls Revenge yeah. is is my next statement. Okay, and how many tracks is on this album here? I, I, I lost count. Today. I just handed it. How much is there now? About. 16? Yeah. What I, what I liked with it was it gave you the originals, then it gave you some remixes also. Yeah. You understand? It gave you it interludes. <laughs> it gave you, a, it was like a real album. Like you're really listening to an album. Thank you. You know what I mean? It was really refreshing. And what it was, was mature Michi. Yes. You know thank what I mean? You. It worked. <laughs> That's why I will not stop. You need to think. Can you imagine if yeah. we've seen Biggie and Pac right now mature? Crazy. That's what I'm saying. I yeah. just want the world to be able to see some hip hop mature, but the women mature too, guys. Yeah. Not yeah. you, but I just yeah. want to be a part of telling that story and and moving forward. And if my, if I have to stand behind the West Indian culture in the way that dancehall does it, where we don't let go, I'm gonna hide behind that because yeah. that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Yeah. But yeah, hip hop is is growing and maturing. So mm-hmm. we need balance. All we need right. Balance. <laughs> this album here has some features. It has um centuries on it, Lindo P's on it, Tanya P's on it. There's a couple more people on it. It's like, mm-hmm. I like who you chose. You could have gone for the... I know. These guys over here, or these gals over here, you know. But you still kept it contained yeah. and brought it fresh. My friends, talent that I believed in. Mm-hmm. Talent that's easy to work with and write with. Yeah. There was like half a phone call away. Yeah. Everyone, a JDR is on it. Chuck D did the intro. <laughs> Yes, that's what got Ooh. me there. <laughs> that's what got me. Download the album and you can see whatever. But the P, everyone I called was like right then and there. Yeah. And cross the board and border. Yeah. And it doesn't get better than that. So yeah. I didn't run down anything. I didn't want to. And I'm really just trying to put all the music together because some of it has been out. Mm-hmm. And like Bad Gal Bubble, I had to put on an album because yeah. I had to get it up there. Big up Smoke Shop. Smoke yeah. Shop. I'm a Spotify. Yeah. Run your route with it. Love it. <laughs> so I just had to get it in the body work so people identify that with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of stuff. And it was to tell a story and it's the intro of a story. It's really, um, and it's Factor supported, Ontario Arts Art supported, um, Toronto Arts Council supported. So the fact that they even let me get a little, let us add up, <laughs> and it took time. Um, yeah. I had a car accident, and I kind of sat back for a while and kind of mm-hmm. healed, and they didn't have to continue support. And now I'm like, let's go. Yeah. And I still had my songs and stories that I want to tell, and it's really about growing up in hip hop. Yeah. Crazy. I yeah, got two. <laughs> of course. Listen, we're not going to sit down and have you here and not listen. That wouldn't be cool. You understand? What if you'd say, hey, so you tell me what, what, 
What's your favorite song on the album, Mom? Hey, I'm back. No man, crazy. respect, respect. Crazy. And where could they cop this album? Oh, it's all over the platforms. It's everywhere. I'm gonna get over there and whatever. I didn't really rush to put it out because I was like, you know what? There's no big publicist behind it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a body of work that's gonna be heard. So I'm taking the slow, slow way up mm-hmm. and just gonna spread the word and keep it going because there's a lot more where they, that came from. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to spreading the word of Bad Gals Revenge. Um, there's gonna be a new website up um, okay. under construction mm-hmm. and it's on all platforms. And it's gonna be, I'm gonna have my CDs out. I'm gonna have my vinyl out and all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to get this one out because it felt very end of 2020th instead of 2020-21. What year is it? 2020-2020-2020 and keep going on. And it's 20 years and it's being released on 11-2020. Wow. Big, So big, I hope big. you get it uh, moving forward. Yeah. Two questions before I get you out of here because guess what? This is the part one of our conversation. You know we have to have three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, yeah, 10, yeah. 11, 12, I'm right? I'm excited. You can tell I got to go. All right. <laughs> this is thing there. As I said, two last questions. Well, it's really, you know, it's one, but you could answer it two different ways. 35 years in the career. When would you say personally mm-hmm. you felt like this was the highest that you've gone in your career and you felt your best? And when was the lowest that you felt in your career? I think those are days that come and go. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't think there's a... Because there's been a lot of low days. Mm-hmm. And that's because that's how... It, and perspective is key. It depends what's low to me. It could be so, like, shut up to someone else. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, And people want you to suffer. And I, I, I suffer real good. <laughs> it's like a, I got yeah. some good suffering. Yeah. So I don't really... You know, the low days are because I said it's low. I don't really think, when I look back, like, you dummy, there's no way but up. You were really upset over that, Mitch. Mm-hmm. So I, I look at a lot of things like that, and I find my sense of humor real quick, because I'd be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, I can't, because I, there's so many. There's so many. You could get emotional and be like, I remember when I had my, you know, I could get deep and be like, that time, that, you know, yeah. there's so many context I could put it in but I just just to keep it all neutral it's really perspective is key mm-hmm. and I've had more good days than bad but there's a lot of low days especially yeah. if, you, if 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 my life in my uh, Canada depended on music business uh, 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 it so because my Canada is bigger than music business oh my gosh I'm so happy mm-hmm. I love Canada yeah, so it's a really cool place to live when you travel and come back. Yeah. So that makes it all, no matter what's going on out there, a really good place to be. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, crazy, <laughs> crazy. They want to check you out. Mm-hmm. Your album coming up and stuff. Leave some contacts where they could actually check you out. Oh, definitely on Twitter, Mishy Bad Gal Me, and it's um, Mishy Bad Gal with a Y on Instagram and Mishy Me on Facebook. And yeah, I got certified. Thank you. They certified bah, on my bah, birthday. Bah, 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 Big bah. up Twitter and <laughs> Facebook. I got a blue. Yeah. So those things excite me because I've been trying. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. It's I guess I've got to work it now. Yeah. <laughs> gotta, gotta use a hey. step. Posting. Hey. <laughs> yeah, but um, now I have content and I have something to say, and I've got um, work coming out. Yeah. More work coming out in terms of you know content uh, and the book right. and other things that I'm working on. Everything takes time, but this is the time if you really want to do something, mm-hmm. dig deep right now. Yeah, so it's a good it's a good time, and it feels good just letting the album go. Yeah. Now I just got to post. Yeah. No, don't worry. <laughs> well, this That's is what we're here. This is what we're here for. You understand, Mish? And I'm so grateful that you um stood by me all this time <laughs> um, and I wanted to come here and speak to you first mm-hmm. uh, I think you know me yeah. and it's just nice to um, yeah to go back and forth and, and hear 
and just see what you're doing. Okay, Crazy. back to you. you know, I'm just so proud of you. Proud of you, your wife, your family. Yeah. Just proud of you. So Thank you know you. what I mean? Yeah, Thank man. You. We're all coming. We're all coming from a, a <laughs> long, long time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That's why when you came in, I said, "Look up there." Do you I remember like, that? That's me. That's from that's from 2006. In the last week. You know yeah, what? Man. I know you gotta go. I know you gotta go. But okay. I squeeze in something quick, quick, quick. Oh man! Quick, quick. Locks journey. Why do you decide it to locks? Oh, oh my God! First, I want to go on the beach and not worry about my hair. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a girl in me. It was just awakening that once you know the truth, it's hard to go back. Yeah, it's hard to go back. So there was a lot. I mean, I still have habits. I still add when I got. No, I just I can't the full. I mean, I'm I, I'm supposed to do it in the shoot. It's a really a thing to me. So I mean, I don't want to offend nobody, yeah. <laughs> right? But the log journey was internal, and it was you know, and I wanted, and I love, I see, yeah. I do, and I just know myself, and it's more about learning who you are as a black person. I'm really maroon, so my journey is is very maroon, and then it gets into, and it's all mm-hmm. one. It's Africa, and it's. Yeah. Living in Canada, yeah. which I'm very proud of. So, whatever it is, just like my music is all over the. I just like truth, and I've learned it all. I've read the Quran. I've dated five percenters, Muslims, Rastafarians, you name it. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Everything. I've got the books or whatever. Yeah. I take bits and pieces of what I want, and I am me. And it's just it's part of my journey. But couldn't take the cap no more. Yeah, couldn't take it. So, but us, you know, did what I wanted to do. Mish, I'm gonna end this right here. But as I said, okay. I, I have seven thousand more questions. For you. Seven thousand, you know. And I got more records. So. All right, we'll be <laughs> talking. Back. As I said, it took about two years to make this happen. I don't care if I gotta wait another two years to make it happen. <laughs> no again. man, I'll come back before that. You All right. I'm up now. I'm certified. Bob, you understand? <laughs> Listen, Respect. let me give you an outro and get you out of here. It's been okay. an amazing conversation, my sister. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Brother, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, (laughs) and this has been another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinedmusichut.com.